the Argentina shirts being such a pale colour of blue, it may be difficult for you to differentiate between the two teams. So perhaps it's worth me pointing out that Argentina have dark socks and England white socks. like the gold kit um, we never lost a game in it uh, so uh, that was uh, that was uh, the ball was special especially well Manchester City have switched from their traditional sky blue shirts today it's been a foggy day in Manchester the darkest shirt more visible and our thanks to Manchester City for changing from their usual colours for our benefit. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Football Kit Podcast. I'm Dennis from Museum of Jerseys. And I'm Les from Hull City Kits. Together we've formed like Voltron to create a new kit discussion vehicle. In this first episode, we interview Jürgen Rank, the senior designer at Adidas, about his work and several of the new kits that will be seen in the new Premier League season. And in a regular feature, we'll consider a notable mashup, a mixing and matching of kit elements to avoid a colour clash. But first, we'll consider the effects of a kit sponsor deal ending sooner than expected. And now, a word from our sponsor. Les, you're not the world's biggest fan of short advertising, but still, that is not going to stop you from heroically telling us about a change in the front of our Premier League team shirts for this season and some notable historical historical precedents. Indeed, Dennis. The close season's a natural time for the unveiling of new kits and the announcing of new sponsors. And one of the more interesting sponsorship cases in the shortened break between seasons was that of Southampton, who were forced to change sponsor after they'd announced three new kits bearing the logo of the old backer. Now, only Southampton's board will know whether the club's taken a financial hit as a result of the change, but from an aesthetic point of view, I think the Saints have improved a lot. We know that an elaborate sponsor's logo can blight an otherwise attractive shirt, and that was the case with the home and third shirts, which feature sashes in a nod to the St Mary's club that became Southampton. Now, initially, they carried the logo of the Chinese firm LD Sports, which is a bit of a convoluted logo. There's like a half basketball, half football sphere contained within the letters L and D with the company letters written in both Chinese and English underneath. Well, that was at least until the firm ended the three-year deal one year in, leaving Southampton looking for a new sponsor. And they have found one, thankfully, with a betting company, can you believe it? Sportsbet.io, who also back Watford. It's interesting that Southampton's deal with LD Sports was questioned from the very beginning. Uh, they're, they're seemingly a company that doesn't do anything. Now, at the time, Mark Dreyer of the website China Sports Insider said, not quite reassuringly, I don't think it's a scam per se, but who's to say that LD Sports, whose vague future product as a landing page and absolutely nothing else, will be in existence three years from now? Quite prescient stuff from Mark there. So the new season replicas with the LD logo went on sale, but the club have since suspended the sale of shirts. If you go on the store now, you can buy the shorts and the socks. But what they've said is the club will work out a solution for people who want to update the shirts with the new sponsor. And given the big business football is, you would imagine contracts like this are done with reputable firms. Everything is all falling into place nicely and that Southampton are the first ever club that this has happened to. Strangely not, Dennis. 
um west ham are perhaps the most notable example because they've had to cover sponsors on the shirts twice during the season now the first time was in 2008-09 when the xl travel firm went into administration just three games into the league season so for the first game after xl's demise which was against west brom they simply covered the xl logo with a claret patch and quite frankly it wasn't as inconspicuous as they'd hoped it was it was quite visible but they had a, a quasi permanent solution in place for the next game when they played newcastle um, they had a white patch with each player's squad number on it applied using the smaller short numbers and it sort of made them look a little bit like marathon runners and they went with that look until the December of 2008 when they did a new deal with a oh, betting company, SPO. <laughs> and the logo was inside square blue patches that were clearly covering the XL logos. They started with the Tottenham home game and that did them for the rest of the season. So firms entering into the year of West Ham should probably be issued with a bit of a health warning, should they? Well, you could say that. I mean, just a couple of months ago, the sleeve sponsor Bassett and Gold went under. But there was also another notable example with the loss of Alpari, the currency broker, in January 2015. So what happened there? Well, the company had to close down its UK branch and they gave an incredible statement which cited exceptional volatility and extreme lack of liquidity. In other words, the, the Swiss bank had unattached the, the cap they put on the Swiss franc to the euro and overnight Alpari lost a lot of money and they suddenly closed the UK shop. But a month later, heroically, a betting firm stepped into the breach and they signed a deal with Betway and from the, the Manchester United home game onwards, they had simple white patches with a Betway word mark. Um, so anyone apart from West Ham or are, are they the, the market leader or... The opposite, as, as seems to be the case with their sponsors. Well, incredibly, Charlton Athletic lost two consecutive sponsors. Now, they started 2005-2006 with the retailer All Sports on the front of the Germa shirts. But All Sports went into administration in the September. So in the December, Charlton did a deal with a Spanish property firm called La Nera. Now, they didn't need to include patches this time. They just got a new batch of shirts and added the new sponsor to it. But what's interesting is Lanera themselves went bankrupt in December 2007. So that four and a half year deal got set on fire. They didn't <laughs> change sponsors, though, uh, during the season. Apparently the deal had been paid up front, so Charlton didn't lose any money from it. They just played out the season with a, a defunct sponsor and then changed to Cabrini, the JD sports brand in the summer. Funnily enough, um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a piece on the, the famous Southampton shirt from the, the mid-80s early to mid 80s the reverse ix one and one of the three sponsors that appeared and that was air florida who had also gone bust very early in the season <laughs> and it stayed on the shirts um so is it confined to english clubs this practice or are there any examples from further afield yeah, there's a couple of examples i mean real madrid's a notable one because they had the sponsor benko who had taken over part of the Siemens organization. They're a, they're a Taiwanese mobile handset manufacturer um, and they'd signed a, a five-year deal with Real Madrid and it got torn up just a year into the five-year contract when they went under, but it didn't see any change to the shirts. Interestingly, the backs of Lazio shirts had a change for the Coppa Italia final. Now, it's not unusual in Italy for a company to do, um, but Celico, now they'd been Lazio's main sponsor throughout the 1980s. Yeah, the classic it, eagle design. 
Absolutely, and and they had a, a stint as the front of shirt sponsor in in this decade. But for 2018 and 19, they were the back of shirt sponsor. But they went bust after the Serie A season had concluded, but before the Italian Cup final. So they got replaced for that game by Igea Banker, a bank. And that was the company on the back of the shirts when they beat Atalanta to win the Coppa Italia. Well, I think wasn't it wasn't it Jimi Hendrix said when Janis Joplin died at the age of twenty seven that it was a great career move. And in the same kind of way, when these sponsors go bust and we hear about it, and the, the clubs have to get new sponsors, it's great exposure for the sponsor that's just gone out of business. It's just come too late for them. Well, it's good news for whoever buys the company out of administration, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And the administrator, he'll he'll always get his money. Adidas. Authentic. Committed. Genuine. Experienced. Inventive. Inspirational. Our first ever guest was named after a 1974 World Cup winner, and in 2014 he got to clothe the team that would become world champions. It's a great privilege to talk to the Senior Design Director of Football Apparel at Adidas, Jürgen Rank. Thank you very much for joining us, Jürgen. Thank you for the invite and a pleasure to be there. Okay. So, Jürgen, you took quite an indirect route to working in football kit design. You had quite a variety of jobs before that. Yeah, that, that that's true. So, all kind of chops and, uh, yeah, it was a long way to, to get there. But in the end, uh, yeah, I can be very glad that, that I made it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always a fan of uh, career paths which are not that straight because then you gain a lot of other experiences and then I think you appreciate much more what you have when you get it then finally. Mm. Would that be harder for somebody to do now do you think or are the people who recruit creatives are they quite open-minded about a designer's experience um i mean i just can say it for myself and i'm still looking for people so when the headcounts open and we're recruiting people then i'm still looking for people who are showing passion for it so for the for the design by itself obviously the skill set in regards to the science is highly important but uh, I, I don't mind what the people were doing before or what brought them to that one. So that's still because, I mean, I, I did it that way and I have others as well in my team, which were not going the, the, the direct design route. So and uh, but I think if you have different experience, I think that brings you to uh, maybe a different mindset as well. As said, so the appreciation of what you have then and as well the passion for it and uh, therefore I, I think it's it's talent, it's passion and this needs to be there and not so much the background of what uh, the, the, yeah, the people were doing before. So how many designers would say do Adidas have? Like how, how big a team do you lead Jürgen? Uh, my team um, yeah, is around 11 to 12 people so okay. basically like a football team and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's the perfect size, and uh, yeah, obviously there are different teams uh, like 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 training, like original. So there are many departments okay. which, which then have different teams with different team sizes. So the one I'm heading up is the licensed apparel design team. So basically, 
uh, yeah, we are responsible for all the football jerseys a badge goes on. So yeah, from the one I'm wearing now. So from from River Plate, uh, yeah, to America. So the MLS kits and yeah. then to Europe, etc. And then all the federations as well. So all the clubs and federations uh, of Adidas. And and, yeah. and are all those designers based in Herzogenlook, or are they based around the world? And you um you kind of communicate digitally no our team is based in Hatzo so uh, yeah but they're from all over the place so okay I'm from Ireland Italy yeah. Brazil Argentina uh, Wales Scotland so it's yeah a very good mix and I think it's quite important to have such a mix because we create the jerseys for you know for South America for Brazilian clubs then it's obviously Sergio. He's from Brazil, so okay. then stuff to Sergio because he knows things where I would need to do a research. Yeah, yeah. Me much more longer. So and in the meantime, he finished the designs. So and therefore, it's so important to have the different influences, different inspiration, knowledge, and yeah. And then obviously, it's fun as well. So if you have now, yeah. uh, we have Luis now in the team. Currently, so he's from Argentina. Then we have a Brazilian guy. So you have as well a bit of. <laughs> And, and it's fun, yeah. How how collaborative is the process? Like, is there a, I would say, is there an overarching concept every year that everybody feeds off, or is there a level of individuality that each designer can bring to the the projects they're working on? Yeah, normally we have, uh, yeah, like every two years. So for sure we have a design direction, a creative direction we're gonna follow. So as an example, so for 2020 we had. United by Art and Football. So we wanted to bring everything together under this umbrella. And uh, so everyone was following this concept. So where we had parameters like, okay, no pixels, no vectors. So everyone had to start by hand. Okay. Sketches and, and drawings. So like the, the the new Arsenal, for example, everything was done by, by hand, especially on the marble one, you can see that. <laughs> and then later it was going into the computer, which uh, was a new approach, which we haven't done for, for ages, I would say. So, and uh, yeah, but then everyone can bring in the individual strength and uh, yeah. So like the marble thing, for example, for, for uh, what, what James was doing for, for Arsenal. So he was then putting the pencils out, the water, you know, uh, colors and everything, and then uh, redrawing the marble halls from, from Highbury. And yeah, so very interesting approach. But yeah, the good thing was that really discovered as well, again, individual strength more. So that was really, really interesting to see. And it was fun and really everyone enjoyed the, the new approach. Yeah. People tend to know who designers are now. You know, it's interesting. You're just saying first names and we know who you mean. Um, you know, designers have a profile now that perhaps they didn't have previously. I mean, I had the privilege of meeting Ina Franzman a couple of years ago, but I think even as a kit fan, it was a long time till I knew Ina Franzman's name and perhaps social media has got a part of that. But is that is that new uh, th that new profile of designers via social media, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Um, I think it's a good thing because, uh, I mean, before I was working at Adidas, uh, I was always into football shirts and then it was, okay, 
who was doing it, why were they doing it, and what were the reasons behind that? And uh, that's that's so interesting. I mean, I always wanted to know, but no one told me, and it was in no magazine. I mean, the football magazines back then, it was purely about the game and the players. And uh, yeah, then there were the big posters about the, the 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 players, but I was much more interested into the football shirt designing, where were the where were the ideas coming from? And so I think it's much more better now, because uh, yeah, we can use this platform and we can explain the stories behind. And yeah, the thing with Ina, for example, uh, I was working for yeah uh, since several years already at Adidas, but I really have to say this was one of the best moments being there, but in general as a football fan. And it took me a while to figure it out, so who it was. So, and that once I, I met a colleague from the archive and she used to work together with Ina in the in the, in the the 80s. So and that was the start. And then we tried to figure out, okay, what's the contact of Ina? So we figured it out. I contacted her. And when she replied, that was <laughs> one of the greatest moments in my yeah <laughs> definitely in the in my football shirt life so then she was yeah that was amazing that was really amazing and i told everyone in the company like a little kid is hey <laughs> i found her i found her and she's coming here so i invited her she came and uh yeah that was really amazing and Ina's such a nice and kind person so i showed her then back then our 18 interpretation which was not out then at that time so and we compared the old one so we went to the archive comparing her version together with our new version and what we did and she explained a lot about the background which i didn't know up front you know there were just rumors and gossips around it but no no real facts and that was just so yeah it's, it's a really really great moment and to hear it really one-to-one -one from ina was amazing and I also asked her, hey, can you do a, a, a kind of lesson or just explaining the team now, how it was working back then at Adidas. And yeah, then we did a little workshop, a little session. So with around 50 people, which had interest, and then we were sitting together and Ina was explaining how it how it yeah all began in 88 or basically earlier 86. And then the approach, the new approach to do something different to come up then with a 88 crazy designs which <laughs> will forever <laughs> no really amazing yeah i remember when um it was interesting when I, when i did meet ina she she had her sons with her and i don't think her sons could understand you know that they were just thinking this is my mum but there was this room full of people assuring her so much love and to the football kit fans she was like a rock star and they were just thinking it's just my mum. It was it was quite quite a fascinating interaction to to watch. And she was talking about how, you know, she did originally done designs on um, on tennis jerseys, and about it took a while before that, you know, that sort of prints moved over to football jerseys. And she was saying that she didn't believe they would use a design because she thought there was too much of a flag element, um, and because you know before the in '86 the the flag element had just been you know collar trim, cuff trim. She didn't believe that design would be would be used for the national team. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that's uh, yeah. But I would I think it was yeah changing football forever. And uh, uh, Horst Dussler he kicked it off and he told the designers, hey, let's do something different. Let's let's surprise the the world out there. And as you said, so the '86 one had just some black red gold trims. So that's when Franz Beckenbauer took over the the national team. 
And yeah, but he liked it so much, the 88 one. So, I mean, we, we kept it for four years. So that was even back then quite unusual. Yeah. It was exchanged every two years. But he liked it so much at the Euro that he said, OK, now let's continue with it and let's play it at the World Cup in Italy. So this is, uh, I think, quite incredible, especially what you see today. So when a new jersey comes out, especially such a revolution. So the talk talks around it. And uh, back then you came from really 88, uh, from 86, from nothing, all white jerseys to such a bomb like, like the 88 one. So... And not just for Germany. I mean, it was as well for Holland uh, quite a stretch with the with the design. Uh, but in the end, those became the most legendary jerseys uh, yeah. in history. And yeah, so it's just uh, a proof for it to do something different. And you mentioned there, Jürgen, how you know the the reaction would be slower to come back then because people didn't openly discuss kits as much. Nowadays, you get an immediate response on Twitter and. Generally, it's it's uh, it's an extreme response. People love it or hate it, and then eventually you'll get a kind of an overall perception of how the kid is doing. But how how Adidas reacts to feedback, like has that changed as the as the way the response levels have changed? If that makes sense. Um, no, I, th I think we uh, react the same way like we always did. We try to explain the stories. We try to really, uh, uh, yeah, explain why we did certain stuff. Therefore, sometimes it's a shame that you have some leaks before with uh, maybe wrong pictures, incorrect samples, and no story behind it, wrong colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially missing the 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 story, and this is, I think, quite a shame because it's. Uh, such an important moment for a football fan and myself being a football fan I if a new jersey comes out it's like Christmas you know yeah. you don't want to spoil it up front you want to see it and then you you want to have it in a nice package you want to get it presented to you in the right format and content and context so that, that, that that's so important and uh, obviously that's what we still try to do and if there are reactions I mean obviously we no, almost. I mean, we are football fans by ourselves. And um, obviously, I'm a fan of traditional shirts, but as well, I'm a fan of loud shirts. So yeah. it needs to be always done in the right balance. But we know which reactions we will get. So now the Manchester United third jersey, we knew exactly up front what we will get. Yeah. And obviously, it's a, it's a love and hate thing. But in... I think in all cases where it was such a love and hate thing, uh, it became legendary jerseys. And uh, every when when we presented it internally, we always said this is gonna be the most talked about jersey in 2020. And yeah, we can say it already <laughs> that it's definitely it. It's yeah, and uh, we know it's it, 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 it's gonna sell. And uh, yes, it's it's like back then, like we said before. So it, it's a design. It's a new. Thing. it's one step ahead of the usual one and uh yeah so we're, we're quite proud of it but again we try to explain the stories with with videos how we did it so it's it's all the it's all based in uh the first matches at old trafford with the striped jerseys where it's coming from and then through the history with striped jerseys but yeah we could have done another striped jersey so that was the alternative we do it okay but this was not not, not yeah good and not modern enough for us. So therefore we decide, okay, now let's do something a little bit more crazy, which it became in the end, yeah.
And and it's useful when the people that hate it become marketers for Adidas without them even realizing it. Yeah, of, of course. And uh, I think interesting uh, is always the reactions of the supporters. I mean, I would be maybe the same. Or I understand everyone who's saying, ooh, that's a stretch. Because when we see it the first time, when we do it, we say, oh, we have exactly the same reaction. But then we see it for uh, weeks, we see it for months, we, we have the first samples. So we take pictures as well. We we put all three Manchester kids next to each other, for example, to see, okay, the home is nice story. Uh, uh, traditional, true to the club. The away is based on the river story in Manchester, so as well. Uh, good, and then we have the third one, which is really, really different. And so you cover a lot of uh, yeah different groups of supporters as well. Different um, yeah groups of yeah how you say, I mean the different tastes level out there. And uh, so that's how we approach it. And then obviously we have an understanding for the people when they are ooh maybe first a bit shocked. And if they would have been not shocked, I think it would have been disappointing for us. <laughs> and uh, so it it's it's good. And it's uh, I think most important. It's hey, this is I mean we we are all collectors. We 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 love the shirts. That's our world. And if the world would be always the same, we would have not something to discuss. And uh, if everyone would like this jersey as well. That would be, it would be not good, you know. It it should be that people, oh, I hate that one. Oh, I, I never liked that one. Uh, but when we talk about the old shirts, like the '94 or the the '91, even when I was at the World Cup '90 in Italy, I was not wearing this jersey because I didn't like it at that time. But one year later, I I really yeah. liked it. And then, uh, yeah, at '94 in America, I was wearing then the '90 shirt. So. Um, but I didn't like the 94 one, but now I like the 94 <laughs> one. So that's, that's uh, I think the other thing, what, what time does with those uh, shirts as well. But yeah, it, it needs to be, there needs to be a dispute about it. There needs to be discussions and controversial discussions around it. And I think that's what, what we all love. And, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. Mm. So speaking of one of your jerseys where there was a there was a different approach. You, you know, arguably you're best known for the 2014 Germany jersey, and instead of using the the flag elements, that was was replaced by tonal reds. Now I just wondered was was that did you just fancy putting red on a Germany shirt, or did FIFA regulations on flag elements did did that have any say in in your approach to that jersey? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are regulations and there are many regulations. So it's it's really a, a, a proper catalog. Uh, sometimes when I present the design process, I, I bring it and it's it's really uh, yeah quite a big document. And actually, if, if people, I mean, and I think there are people out there who are interested in it, so you can look it up online as well. So the UEFA guidelines, for example, they're online and then you get yeah. a good idea about what you can do nowadays in terms of design. And so it really gives you a good idea. And yeah, it's a, it's a big catalog, but the, the World Cup 14 one, that was not uh, any, yeah. I, I know that there are rumors as well. There are rumors about the white shorts, but nothing is true of that. It's uh, uh, the red one was we wanted to do uh, yeah, an element which stands for energy. So therefore we said, okay, let's keep the flag in tonal in shades of red. So to symbolize energy and the energy of the German team. Uh, which we definitely had, 
and uh, so that was the one element then to do it in a, in a shape of we form and really having it making a big chest and uh, a symbol for confidence was as well the other thing is saying okay uh, was more signal to the other 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 teams saying okay if you want to win the world cup you need to pass the german team first so you need to pass us and uh, so that was a reason for it. And uh, so therefore we said, let's keep it in the shades of red. I mean, there was a, a, a black and a golden line on the top of it. So yeah. to have it like that as well. But the middle part, so was really about the power and the energy of the team. Um, yeah, and the, and the white short was as well, because that's uh, probably your next question. <laughs> the white short. Have you seen the list? <laughs> yeah, but then, well, then, we, did, we did think that was a bit of a myth because you know how can you apply that rule to all of the Adidas teams, but not to Brazil, for example? Yeah, yeah, but but I I think the the, the one with with the shot is uh, as well where where a lot of people said yeah it's uh yeah it's from the FIFA and one, but it, it, that's not true. It was from our side we wanted to do that, so the the one was the visual thing. Uh, the German team played much more lighter, much more fast, much more new and young. So, and therefore a light outfit. So it looked much more smarter and was, yeah, uh, yeah, representing much more the, the, the style of the team. So that was the one. And the even more important one was the fact that the German team at a World Cup, when they were wearing white shorts, never lost a game. So it was the so never. So I did research, and my dad was at the World Cup '66 uh, all games until Wembley. So he was there yeah. as a fan, and uh, he told me as well about the Argentina game. And I looked it up and say, okay, again white shorts, and then it was yeah '74 against Poland. So there were se several games with white shorts, and either Germany won or there was a draw, but they never lost in white in a full white outfit. So and that was as well a thing. We say, okay, that's a very good uh, omen. I don't know if this. Yeah. Yeah. So and then yeah, let's do it and let's keep it. And yeah, the story continues with that. So it was uh, yeah so far. And, and like, did the DFB take much persuading to switch to all white as the the primary kit, or were they were they happy to go with it? No, they were quite happy. Um, yeah, so it was not much. Obviously, it was ooh that could uh, cause some come trouble, some trouble. I mean, yeah. again, it was the same like mm, on a different level with the with the Manchester United one. So there was trouble, and I think even people tried to put a petition against the the, <laughs> the, the white shot, and they wanted to have the black shots back. And uh, but again, maybe they they were by themselves not aware of the history of it, and. Uh, yeah, after a while, and especially when the, when the people see the stuff on the pitch, then the opinions are in most cases anyway different because they see, hey, okay, they see it from different angles. So like we see it through the whole process, and then they understand why we did certain stuff. And uh, and we had it as well. I think in the, in the in the phase of the sampling, we had it as well with black shots, but it it didn't look that strong like with white shots. Though it made the full, you know, the full kit yeah. was a full kit, not just the. As a, as a jersey, the whole thing, and I understand with the with the black shots for sure. But sometimes, and especially when it's rooted in history, in a successful history, why not doing it again? And yeah, it said it it worked out. Maybe at one World Cup we do it again, but we don't know. So <laughs> we do it again, and 
yeah then it's a big yeah a big pressure on the team <laughs> again um and you mentioned there the fact that it is a whole kit and not just a shirt um is there a bit of a i won't say conflict because that's too strong a word but you know you're coming at it from the design point of view when you're designing a full kit and then marketing are probably going to be showing publicity photos of people just wearing the shirt and streetwear and generally the fans will just be wearing it as streetwear so like do the designers have more freedom from that point of view you know when when it is kind of there's an urban setting to a lot of the 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 marketing um and like is is there that that kind of need to balance the the design element against the 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 leisure the leisure element um i think it's it's close to reality what what we are doing and i think it definitely helps the streetwear because i mean it, it's a crossover and it's not you know you're not just i mean look at us i mean we're wearing it now so yeah uh, and i'm not sitting there in, in the full kit uh but but <laughs> But obviously, it's it's it makes it easier for us because I mean the the crossover between streetwear and sportswear is definitely there, and uh, as as well it's it's there at the clubs. So the understanding of to do something different and to do something maybe more modern, which is maybe rooted in the streets, and that has an influence. So we called it uh, from the stadium to the streets and back again. So that's okay. how how we called it as well, and it 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 really is there. And now it's the way back again. So um, there were a lot of magazines in 18 who wrote, uh, is uh, football the new skateboarding? You know, it's, uh, which it was partly. Yeah. So you see, you see it, it's on the streets and it's it's much more present now, uh, football shirt fashion, I would say. And it's as well at the, at the big fashion brands, which are trying to, to, to imitate former silhouettes and things like that. So it, it, it's a, it, it has definitely changed and, uh, but as well, the perception at the clubs when we present stuff, it makes it easier because we say, okay, that's rooted here and there, and let's go uh, down this road. And it's the streetwear, but it's as well another component is maybe like, uh, yeah, the EA game where we, you know, where we experimented as well a little bit with. And you see, okay, that's a totally new community, different community, and but you see how it's resonating, and then you can use this and as as well to say, hey designs like this are working in the end uh, if they're regulation friendly as well maybe on a on a bigger platform and uh, so i would say yeah the street component is important as as well the digital component but who know what, what what's next so that's uh, mm. content yeah. changing and that's the beauty of it although the, they are different communities did the the shirts you did for ea was that almost give you the chance for a bit of feedback to see if you could make more statement shirts for the actual, you know, state statement shirts that teams would wear, um, did did that almost act as a bit of marketing to see how crazy you could go with shirt designs? Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely an exercise. I mean, we sat together with the EA guys and they said, okay, uh, what's most preferred in the game? So at the ultimate stage, so that those were the uh, highly graphical, colorful shirts. So, and then we worked against that. And in the first season, we just did it in the game. So just in the, in the digital world. And yeah, there was, I mean, first it was fun to do 
because if you don't have to stick to to any regulations, you can be yeah. broader as well. Uh, branding regulations, everything. So we we tried uh, different stuff, and uh, that was great. And uh, one of the first digital ones was the Bayern one. Uh, I was doing that one with a you know with this diagonal sash yeah. with the Allianz Arena in it, and it it led somehow. Definitely to the to the to the third jersey now because yeah yeah so it it resonated with the uh, digital community but as well with the fan base of of Bayern we saw we actually oh that's that's so great it should be a real jersey yeah, yeah. and uh, then we did it in a yeah in a actually actually in a more extreme version so we 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 did a close up of it and uh, you know and so it, it it proved first yeah it's working. The club saw it as well. Wow, it's 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 working. It's resonating. And uh, then, yeah, some years later, it became reality. Mm. So, and yeah, yeah, to your question, it's it's definitely something what we tried to to see what is working in the game, but as well then in the in in the analog world as well. Um, yeah, well, worked out quite good. And again, I think that's the street component. This component, I think that all helps uh, to get further and to. Yeah, to go further in terms of, of football design. Uh, and I suppose the flip side of the the streetwear angle now is that the design or the technology isn't being talked up as much maybe, but are the designs still being shaped by the new technologies that, you know, become available or, you know, become more prevalent? Yeah, um, I mean... For us, as um, Adidas is the brand of yeah, yeah, following the footsteps of Adidas. So he's he always wanted to make the athletes better and the players better. So he always, when you know a game was over, he went there and hey, give me your shoes, give me your shoes, just to see uh, yeah what happened to the shoes, where you know where where the damage is on the shoes to 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 improve the quality of it. And yeah, the same for, for for the garments, and this is what we do until today. So uh, obviously the garments need to work, and this is sometimes as well the feedback what we're getting. So when we're asking focus groups, hey, how do you perceive Adidas? What about innovation? And most of the people say, okay, Adidas is in a way, in innovation, so they don't even talk about it because Adidas stands for that as a, you know, and uh, this is true. So we're investing heavily in terms of, yeah, fabric developments. So, and uh, yeah, that's an ongoing process. I mean, I mean, I got my back here with stuff from the 80s and, uh, <laughs> you know, 90s and, and nowadays, and it, it has changed so much. I mean, if you would have give uh, 80s shirt to one guy from the 60s, he was, oh, great, that's much more lighter. But uh, I mean, I have tried a, a, a 80s shirt really in a game and tried to play with it. It's really not fun. So <laughs> so you have to develop and you have to uh, go to the next level. And yeah, we are investing heavily in it. So being at the fabrics, uh, especially on the sustainability side. So we're having high ambitious uh, ambitions with a, with, with a brand to be fully recycled at one stage. Um, we are now already uh, pretty far and uh, we, we we don't stop. So it's it's something what we do that's in our DNA to really have them the best stuff for the athlete and he, he needs to feel comfortable, um, et cetera. So he or she, therefore we test as well with, with female players. We ask female players for, for input, same like with a man. So that's that's highly important to get their feedback to improve then the product so yeah and that's what we do forever so therefore you have 
technologies like dual layering, yeah. uh, tech fit, uh, the flow mapping, the flow motion. So there were a lot of technologies in the in the in the past years. Mm. And I suppose you don't always have to retire them either, do you? Because even uh, for example, the four motion shirts would still use the Climacool fabric, even though it was the four motion that was that was really being advertised. I suppose you can always incorporate the older technologies into the into the new one rather than rather than replacing them. Yeah, I I, I see it exactly. You said it's it's like an evolution or like a DNA, and you always add one element to it to maybe to get one stage to, to the perfect jersey, which you never reach, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's uh, like parts in our DNA, and this is maybe yeah, they're like the four motion, like the flow mapping. So that's all, and the dual layering system. So that's all parts which are in the Adidas DNA. And obviously, you you don't throw it away when you think, okay, hmm, does it work? It didn't work so good, but you take then elements out of it. You take your learnings and you improve it. Hmm. So from a design perspective, how? How does that technology change the design? How, you know, how do you incorporate the design around the technology, or is it the other way around? Is it you you incorporate the technology around the design? How do you how do you maintain that balance? Um, yeah, first we start with the with the development of the base dies and the design of the base dies, and there we put all the information what we're getting like from the players, from the kitmen, etc. So that's what we put in. And then we get from our innovation departments, we get the latest fabrics, and then we try basically to build the base style around it or the base styles, and to using those then as said as 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 a base. And then like when you have a technology, let's say like 2006 when we had the the flow mapping and for motion, you know we had the inserts in this eight shape on on the front of the jerseys, and and then for Germany it was black, red, gold the inserts. So then you have already something, maybe you want to highlight the technology like we did back then. Then obviously you wouldn't add maybe a big graphic to it because it would take away from that element already. Uh, and same when you have like uh, when we did the tech fit. So we had to see, okay, where are the tech fit bands? How are the tech fit bands reacting to, to a print or anything? So it's, yeah, it's definitely you need to take it in consideration as well when we talk about fabrics. Not all fabrics are the same. So how can you print on it? Can you print it all in it? How is the print and the color behaving on this material? Is it, is it bleeding or does it stay, you know? And do you can print with a certain width on it or do you need to, uh, you know, make it thicker? So that's 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 uh, then what you have to see, but you have to work after the innovation. So first is the innovative, innovative chassis, I would say. So like a Formula One car, yeah. and then you add the nice uh, design to it, yeah. And have you a favorite technology or one that was the easiest to design around? Oh, that's, uh, I see it not so separate from each other. I, th I think it, it's uh, <clears throat> complement each other. So, and I think yeah. that's what makes a jersey as well. So when we talk about the 2006, so you had a technology which then, influence the design and um in a favorite one i mean the tech fit was interesting i mean we had the tech fit but not as an over uh, not it was not a must-have technology it was like for some players we offered yeah. jerseys and some players were able to choose the the other one so we didn't want to do it and say oh, you have to wear it because that's a call it's not um according to our philosophy so it's hey best for the athlete you decide what you want to wear 
and that was nice. I mean, it's it, now with the climate chill, it's it's a great material, it's a great fabric. So it's it's but a favorite one, I wouldn't say I I, I don't have. I think the it'll, next it'll be like picking a, yeah one. yeah like picking <laughs> a favorite child. Yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned the the dual layer fabric, which would have been there when you first started at Adidas in in two thousand and four. I've so always found it I've always found it fascinating that a, a couple of companies went with the same dual layer idea at the same time. How does that happen? Yeah, uh, I mean, sometimes it's at the same time, sometimes it's after uh, a company started, then I think it's, it's yeah, it happens. I think it's uh, a kind of, yeah, okay, I think we've done something right when we see then others uh, doing the same thing afterwards. Um, so that could be, and it's in, in, in a lot of cases, so like this laser-cutted holes we had in, I got a sample here as well. So 2008, when so that's when we did it the first time. Then other brands were were following afterwards, and uh, so I think it's it's good to see somehow when others uh, are doing something similar, and uh, if it's afterwards, it's good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it also can happen that there are suppliers or you know there's a new innovation which then becomes available to everyone to every company and then obviously everyone is using the latest technology and is trying to do the best so then it 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 works and then it could end up yeah maybe a bit similar looking and generally national teams adidas national teams anyway are on a two-year cycle whereas clubs are on a single year mm-hmm. is that easier in terms of designing the the country shorts or is it harder that you have too much time to, to overthink it or like does it make a difference from a designer's point of view um it's definitely a big big difference not so much the life cycle um i think the life cycle might help to make it a little bit more iconic so that it stays a little bit in the market i think that's uh uh, something but uh, the most important thing for us designers is obviously at a federation jersey you don't have a sponsor to take in consideration so that gives you definitely more freedom so when you want to do like like the chest element for germany in uh, 14 uh, it would have been tough to do with a with, with with a sponsor so because then where do you put the sponsor then the sponsor is on top of the graphic or is it below then yeah it's, or is it above now it's not working you know that that's uh, definitely is more freedom on the, on the federations because there's no sponsor that's that's for sure yeah and with a club would we'll say if their sponsorship deal is coming to an end and you don't know who is going to be on the next shirt does that affect that design process um yeah it's definitely important to know and, and ideally we know it up front uh, with who's the new partner for the club and but we have a lot of cases where we don't know it and then yeah, yeah we need to take it in consideration that we don't know it so if uh, i mean if you have a simple shirt it's quite easy but if you have a striped club or a club with hoops uh, then you need to think okay how is it ending up is it then ending up with a with a with a box around it and you know that's maybe not looking so good and uh, yeah, obviously we try to get as much information as possible. Is it is it maybe a vertical logo? Is it a horizontal yeah, yeah. circular logo? Uh, but definitely you need to take it in consideration. But yeah, 
certainly the Boca Juniors shirt looked like it was well you can put any sponsor in that area now yeah I mean Boca Juniors had even in the in yeah when they had in, in the 90s the one shirt you know with a with a with an 88 graphic so then it was just following in the design was so the sponsor was following in the design which yeah. is interesting and uh, I personally like it when something is looking a little bit weird here and there and you know that makes it a bit more no uh, yeah i don't know spontaneous human yeah. here and there and uh like the germany shirt for example 88 so ina was doing the graphic first and then at one stage oh we have to put the uh, the, the dfp crest as well there and then it moved up <laughs> quite high because they didn't take into consideration first so it's but it, it's it's a human thing and it's uh what makes then some shirts uh, become very iconic or or different because of that so mm. yeah uh, you see a lot of amateur concept designer kits on social media as a professional designer do you find it's best to totally ignore those or do you feel like you have to keep an eye on what's appearing online um yeah i mean obviously you see here and then when you when you got instagram and you go th through your feed and stuff and then you, you see some stuff but actually i don't think that i mean we we are so much into our processes our di design directions and uh into our designs so we i mean i wouldn't say we ignore it but um yeah we, we as i said we are in our processes doing our thing and so we don't look too much at it mm. Um, typography, is that something that Adidas deal with a lot um, or is it, is it more confined just to a font put on the national shirts for a year or two and the clubs then have more of a, a free reign for their own um, unique individual fonts? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for, for the federations, every two years we're doing a new name and numbering. Yeah. So for the World Cup or for the Euro, and then uh, this goes then onto the Federation jerseys, but as well then goes onto ball and communication. So that's where, and that's what we do as well for uh, with with my team. So that's uh, where we uh, where we create this uh, those fonts and uh, visual languages around it, and uh, for some federations like we did for the Copa America. The last one so we did special font then for colombia mexico and argentina and uh which looked great as well so to do some uh, individual name and numbering and then for the clubs it's mainly like in cup games where they not have to use the league no name and numbering so like arsenal for example yeah. had now the uh yeah the chance to wear then the name and numbering what we did so james was doing this nice font inspired by the old crest and I think it looks amazing and makes the jersey not just from the front. I mean, you just have the name and numbering and it speaks and screams Arsenal. Uh, that's just perfect. And as well for Manchester United, we we do some and uh, yeah, we do it here and there. It's it's not that you can say we do it now every year. So it's uh, from time to time and where it makes sense that we that we do it. But it's 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 fun and it's again a different component. So we do the graphic design, but as well when we do the uh, typos, that's uh, it, it's 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 uh, yeah a good change and again another challenge and a nice yeah nice exercise always. So let's talk about you, the football fan, Jürgen. You're, <laughs> you're a fan of your your hometown team, Bayreuth. It's, <laughs> it's an obvious question, but what, what's your favourite shirt? Uh, yeah, 
So far, it was the 78. That's the, the, the one because it's, uh, I mean, it's one of the nicest Adidas uh, base styles. It was the, the model Everton with a nice diagonal engineering, um, dull shiny. So really, really nice uh, base style. And it made it so the, the, the infamous sponsor of uh, yeah, Großschlechterei Wölfe, which is was a big slaughterhouse, so big <laughs> slaughterhouse. And uh, yeah, so that obviously always when you wear this one, you get some yeah good good yeah good reaction from the from the from the people on that one. So that was so far my favorite one, but the favorite one of my club is up to come. So the hundred year anniversary jersey, and yeah, so that's soon to come out, and this gonna be my favorite jersey from now on. And will you have had some input into it? I had some input into it, yeah, but more, <laughs> more, more as uh, not so much on the, yeah, that's more like, yeah, off work, I would say. Okay, right, so. because you're, you were involved in the creation of a museum too, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, our museum, we founded in 2000. So, I mean, our club was quite good in the, in the 70s and 80s. So we played almost constantly 20 years in the second league. Uh, we even beat Bayern 1980 in the in in the cup, so we kicked them out. Uh-huh. Biggest success so far, and uh, yeah, so 20 years, really really good football. And then we went down to the third league, then we went down to the fourth league, then we went down to the fifth league. So and obviously less less people going there, and no much interest anymore uh, of the people in the club. And then we decided in 2000, hey, um, we can't let it go on like this so we need to remind the people on the great club and the the uniqueness of our club yeah especially the young guys and maybe to stop them going to nuremberg games or munich games and rather hey have a look at your local club support your local club which yeah partly worked so we have uh, as well some some young guys there and uh yeah and then we said okay let's let's found a museum to 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 show that history and that was very good and then yeah it became yeah like a good destination for crown toppers and people which are really interested in authentic football culture and we're getting visitors yeah from all over the world and yeah we also invite the away team supporters as well okay. which helps to create a good atmosphere then on, on on the game day so there's less aggression obviously because when you invite them and uh, have a good time before for a game so that definitely helps we don't do it with all the teams. <laughs> we have some, some which we don't like so much. <laughs> but uh, normally we do well, that. Would that, be, would, would that be Jan Regensburg? Ah, uh, Regensburg. No, we don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's, uh, there are some which we don't like so much. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's, it's not so much about. Uh, I mean, even if guys from there are coming and say, "Hey, we want to have a look at the museum," then it, then it's open. I think that's the the, the good place. It's like yeah. a. I would call it like an embassy. Whoever is interested in authentic football culture is a, is 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 welcome. And then uh, we show the people around, tell them about the history, uh, having a nice chat. And normally everyone is leaving then the museum with a yeah with a smile on the face. And yeah, especially as it's for a club which is not that famous. And in 2000 when we founded the museum. Uh, there were not many clubs in the Bundesliga <laughs> at a museum, and we had a as a fifth league club. We founded this one. Great stuff, thank you, Jürgen. 
Adidas. That was great talking to Jürgen Rank, and we hope to get him back on at some point as we still have many questions. But now it's time for the first of a quasi-regular feature looking at notable kit mashups. Despite that intro, Dennis, I'm not sure if you're a, a fan of soccer or reggae mashups, but I know that you are partial to a, a kit mashup, and you're going to tell us about one today. Yeah, well, I think considering we hadn't rehearsed that tune too often, I think we we carried it off quite well. Um, and I have to, just for the benefit of the listeners, give credit to my fellow presenter, Mr. Les Motherby, for popularising the term mashup on his site, Hull City Kits. And I, uh, what did we say? I, uh, yeah, I stole it. I stole it and I've used it uh, on my own website uh, with the Midweek Mashup series. And we've decided that we'll try and cover notable mashups here. Maybe not every episode we'll We'll try and vary the the teams and the, the segments, but we'll start with one for a fixture that should have been on the opening week of the Premier League season, albeit in reverse, Manchester City and Aston Villa, uh, postponed because Man City were given more time because of their Champions League commitments. But just over 30 years ago, April 1990, City went to Villa Park on uh, April Fool's Day and... The overall look was a bit foolish, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to disagree with you there. I mean, um, your mashups, they're, they're, they're <laughs> a, born out of necessity. It's not something you plan, because certainly if you, you had have planned it, you wouldn't be wearing maroon shorts and maroon socks away to Aston Villa, who have claret shirts. No, it, it's, it, it was a bit of a mess of a season kit-wise for City. They, they launched a new home kit, which was very nice. Uh, sky blue shirts, white shorts, navy socks, and a, a quite attractive maroon and white striped away shirt with maroon shorts and socks. The only problem was a team with sky blue shirts often changes against teams in white, uh, and the the striped away shirt showed up as white from a distance against the likes of Leeds and Tottenham, so that was ruled out. Um, and it was replaced by a solid maroon shirt midway through the season. Uh, I think a game against Sheffield Wednesday was the last outing for the Stripes, and City effectively ended up wearing what was a prototype for the following season's change kit, just with a different type of collar. So, obviously, um, referees don't like sleeve clashes, basically. So that's why you'd often see City changing against the likes of Villa, West Ham, Burnley. And I think in 1987... They ended up wearing red and black checkered shirts at Villa Park that it was considered less of a clash than sky blue shirts, which seems bizarre. But obviously they couldn't wear the maroon at Villa Park. And now you're wondering, did they have a third shirt that season? I am. That was my second wondering after, why didn't they wear the navy shorts at Villa Park? Sorry, the navy socks. <laughs> Very good question. But the third shirt did exist. It was worn at Arsenal in the autumn. A yellow effectively Umbro team wear shirt uh, and City lost 4-0 and the chairman Peter Swales decided it was the shirt's fault. Urban legend says the shirts were burned. Whether that's true, I don't know. They were certainly never seen again, so they weren't an option when they went to Villa Park. A couple of weeks before the trip to Villa Park, they'd worn sky blue shorts at Nottingham Forest. Logical, you'd say. Let's wear them with the sky blue shorts and navy shorts, navy socks at Villa Park. No, Let's wear 
the maroon shorts and the maroon socks against a team who have claret and blue shirts, white shorts and blue socks. Villa were going for the title, uh, challenging Liverpool. They lost this game at home to City 2-1, probably because they were bamboozled by the overall uh, colour clash. And so we can say City's matchup won Liverpool the league. Undisputably. It's facts. It's Darren. I was going to say black and white, but it's Darren, maroon and blue and claret. Yeah. And so there we have it. The first episode of the Football Kit Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. If not, this will probably be the first and only one, but hopefully that won't be the case. Thanks to Jorgen Rank for his amazing input and we'll certainly be finding excuses to have him on again. All going well, myself and Les will also be on again. Thank you and goodbye.